0: This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to another instalment of The built environment wisdom provided to you by the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two, sponsored by Mood and Space. I'm your host, Amandeep Singh Kalra, an architect by Relentless Training and social housing fanatic and developer by profession. And with me today, I have Ryan.
2: Hi, I'm Ryan Menzies, I work at Chorus Group as head of sustainability.
3: Uh, my name is Rafe Bertram, I work with Enfield Council. Uh, partly as sustainability lead on Meridian Water, and partly as joint interim climate change and sustainability head uh, at Enfield Council.
0: Hi, I'm Maribel Manticon. I am a senior associate and architect at HTA Design, where we specialise in housing.
4: Hi, I'm Bolo Meffen. I'm the director of structure engineer practice, Titian Engineers.
1: Uh, Today we'll be discussing the mammoth challenge of retrofit, the opportunities, the obstacles and we will try and come to a conclusion by the end of this by why retrofit at scale has not taken off in the UK. So let me set the scene first. 38% of UK's carbon emissions come from the heating of existing homes. Um, And 85% of UK's existing homes are rated EPC C or below. So for those of you who don't know what that is, whenever you buy or sell a property, a rating is uh, calculated on the energy efficiency of your home. Three quarters of UK households uh, will be pushed to fuel poverty by January 2023 next year, which is absolutely staggering. Uh, And with the rising energy costs, this is actually only getting worse. And the consequences of this uh, on the houses itself, uh, obviously, are things that people living in UK-based housing for years will be familiar with, which is damp, mould, um, condensation, draughts and overheating, which have huge, huge implication on the well-being and health um, of people that reside in those, which leads to poor indoor air quality, respiratory problems, as well as reducing people's life expectancy. Research earlier this year from the BRE also highlighted that just cold and damp in-houses cost the NHS almost a billion pounds a year in terms of um, uh, diseases that are related to those conditions. And moreover, 80% of the homes that will be here in 2050 are already here built today. Um, But have have we actually spent 80% of our time, resource and energy looking at those homes? I'd say no. And listing out these staggering statistics is quite numbing if you think about it. Um, and it's clear to me that sticking a couple of PVs on the roof uh, or buying a new kettle, as uh, Boris Johnson would have you do, or sticking a tinfoil behind your radiators is definitely not going to be tackling the beast of the situation. So I'm actually really interested to find out from our panel um, their thoughts and their opinions on what they think the biggest challenge they see is, and why they think we haven't been able to scale retrofit sooner. So that is actually my first question. I'm gonna ping it around the whole room, but Ray, if I might start with you first, um, and then I think let's just let's just talk it out. So what do you think is the biggest challenge and why have we not been scaling it sooner?
3: It's a good question. Um, I think the biggest challenge is the um, has got to be the, the kind of, I think, probably the payback periods. And, you know, that it's probably, it's probably in the region of kind of 15 to 25 years as a payback period. There are obviously an amazing amount of um, kind of co-benefits, as you described, to that retrofit. But a lot of people are seeing it, not just individuals, but a lot of people and organisations are seeing it to do with how do we make those finances work for us. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge. I'm surprised the last point that you want to get out of this isn't, so what do we do about it? But maybe that's podcast number, oh, the next one. Okay, so sorry. So, yeah, so I think it's it's working out how we can change those Uh, those those payback loops to make it to make it quicker to make it more relevant and I think there are lots of ways that that is starting to happen but I think that's the biggest
1: barrier right now I completely agree with you I think we've we've got some um, retrofit led pilot programs we're doing in the borough now and from the about two years ago when we got this funding it was costing us an average of about 100,000 pound per home to retrofit at that kind of whole house retrofit standards um and uh, I- over just last 2 years that's increased by almost 50% we're at 145,000 pound per home and that's a bitter pill to swallow for a huge social housing landlord but think about that as a private owner who wants to make some sort of savings in their lifestyle lifetime or their kids lifetime let alone their own so yeah I, I think that that is i agree with you that is one of the biggest challenges um maribel what do you think is a is a big challenge
0: i think the main challenge is the funding really but the funding perhaps not for the heat, the whole um, retrofit which is the whole kit i think first of all we need to start by just insulating the homes of britain better start by insulating what happens when you're cold you put a jumper on you need to do the same with our homes they're the leakiest houses in the whole of Europe, you know, we've got about 30 million of them. We just need to sort those out. And that is um, something we need to be doing nationwide. Nationwide, it it will also produce um, apprenticeships throughout the country. And we just need a national funding to do that. And um, without the government pushing that, it is really difficult for anybody else to really take the reins. So I think that is where we need to be looking at. The government hasn't so far really um, provided enough funding uh, regularly to this throughout the years there's been the odd you know some loft insulation but we need them mm. to look at this properly and fully and um, encourage it throughout the country
1: yeah i agree coordinated funding hasn't existed it's been a bit of insulation as you said or the green homes grant which was an absolute uh, a disaster, I would say, is, is, a, is a kind way of, of saying it, um, let alone um, some of the other things that are happening now, which all photovoltaics a while ago, they're all kind of...
0: It's very bitty and has never been completely okay. thought through and it just needs um, people to just focus and realise this is what needs to be done. And um, even more now with the price of fuel going up, you know, it may be one of the ways um, that perhaps not so much from a sustainability point of view, which is something that we, we're really aware that needs to happen, um, to, to burn less f- uh, fossil fuels, but also to just reduce cost for people living in these houses. It may be from that point of view that it may start happening now more. Um, and I think, you know, we are in a, it's a great opportunity where we are now to actually um, make things better. So I think we are a really good point at the moment to to see these improvements that we've been hoping for for a long, long time for now to really happen.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I think the the, the energy price is going up. It's an absolute pain for everyone. But what it has done, this, the stick has gotten much bigger. Yeah for both residents and social landlord tenants. There's to really more carrot consider. and stick,
0: isn't it? There is more payback. It's yeah. not the 20 years anymore. It's like people can see their bills going up and worrying about heating their homes. Yeah. Um, so that straight away, you know, if you think that from two thirds of, of your the cost of your heating is just going out through the walls, mm. you see that immediately. Um, so it's not necessarily going up to passive house standards or anything like that. It's just insulating your homes better, putting um, secondary um, glazing. In some, in some homes, just improving the leakage of these buildings that we can start doing now throughout the country.
1: You just mentioned passive house and for some of our listeners who don't know what that is, if you wouldn't mind just defining passive house.:
0: um, a passive house is one that's not require any heating other than that from the people living within it and just going about their um, you own know, daily lives. So it's a completely sealed um, house which actually relies on mechanical ventilation to get air into the home.
1: Great. Um I think there was loads of great points there, bola, do you want to pick up on the challenges one because I think there is a lot of different angles all of us can come at this from
4: yeah, no, absolutely. I think um it's interesting what was being said about funding, but also I personally like to see a little bit more education um in um to to people who own and run these properties, these buildings, because you know like anything that we own, we have a duty to maintain it, and one of the things I feel that there's lack of at the moment is. Um a bit more knowledge sharing you know how we not only just run our houses, look after it, you know if we're going to insulate it, how do we make sure it's it's vented it well you know ventilation um if we're going to dry our clothes you know where we're we going to dry it you know making sure that windows are open and there's also a general there seems to be a general consensus that you know um there is one solution for each type of property, but actually considering the different types of building stock, there's different ways to insulate our um, properties. And again, that goes down to education for, if you like, the landlords, the owners, and the people who are running it. Um, I know, you know, I think it was in the early noughties where we had the um, scheme where everyone insulated their homes and especially cavity wall insulation, and that didn't go quite well because that sometimes caused damp as well. It's just understanding the different types um, of solutions for your building. So, it's it's an interesting one, um, but I still feel a, I still feel too many people um, do not know enough about how to run or manage their homes, and I feel like we could do a bit more to help help them with that.
1: I think that's a really good point, particularly around well, everybody, both from the social housing landlord to a private landlord. Um, who goes in, does what's needed at the time. I'm going in to replace windows. Why not go in and also look at the fabric at the same time or the boiler, you're in there, you've scaffolded it up. It's easy, it's easier. So yeah, I think a bit of kind of, I don't know, a, a space where there's like a wealth of easy access knowledge. I've seen loads of articles pop up yeah. all over by various people right now. I think there's loads of information now, but if I was like, is there a like, and maybe there is, is there like a retrofit hub I can just go to uh, and I can go look I'm a landlord. I want to find out this. I'm a private property owner. I actually um, Rent my homes out. What does the law require me to do in the next few years to get my so I think yeah There's just a lot of information and not a good way of obtaining it.
4: I'll give you an example I mean that's a very good point because also, um, you know, when we have a car What do we do with a car every year? You know, what do we do with it every year? We service, service. Yeah. we have a boiler What do we do with the boiler every year?
1: Yeah.
4: We have a home, you know, shouldn't we be more thinking thinking about every year? someone going and have a, maybe a bit of a survey just to see what's happening now to look at the windows because as you say ultimately we tend to address issues when it manifests it's itself when there's a problem whereas actually we attended to it during the, the life of the building then actually we're ma- maintaining it yes. and i think that's part of the issue and that's one thing that can help us with us in a sustainable um society because we are reducing the risk of you know of increasing waste you know. Windows are faulty for whatever reason, you know, you've got to dash them away or, or, or what have you. So I, I feel generally, you know, we have a more of a maintenance mentality and that comes from having the education of how to look after house. That, that could only be a good
2: thing. I think that's a great, great point. Ryan, what are your thoughts? Biggest challenge you see? Biggest challenge, I think, uh, is twofold to lean on what uh, Bola said as well. It's, um, it's the complexity of the problem. Um, You know each house or each building is is totally different Mm. and might need uh, a different approach Um, and on top of that uh, Traditional builds are a lot different to how modern buildings are built today. They operate in a very different way. They need to breathe um, And they handle moisture in a very different way. So it's educating people on that Um, and then I think the second point would be uh, policy there needs to be some sort of uh, nationwide retrofit plan and an incentive scheme behind that, you know. Um, I know for, I think this has changed recently, um, but for new bills, you, you don't pay any VAT. Yeah. And I think that's recently changed for retrofit work, which obviously the VAT used to be 20%. I think it's now down to five or zero contra core, um, but they need those. Right. F- immediately now.
3: I, th- I think it's zero for uh, energy-related yes, works okay, like insulation, insulation or heat pumps. Yes, yeah. 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 yeah, so they We're need more, more
2: incentives like that, really, just mm. to, because it is costly, and it's, uh, yeah, it comes with so many complexities and, and added risk in that. Um, so the government kind of needs to con- uh, step up and, and, and provide incentive, considering that it's 80% 80, 80 of our, our, our buildings by 2050, you know, it's a, a massive chunk. That's great, I think, so th- there's four really,
1: really solid Challenges and takeaways for me there. There's funding, payback periods, education, and a national retrofit program. I mean, some of them are almost solutions, really. You started, you started beginning on that journey of of solutions, I think. Actually, whilst we're on that trail, I think I'm happy to continue that. So you talked about a national, both of those, I think, are almost solutions, uh, both a problem in a lack of information, in education, and then the solution for it. So both education and a national retrofit programme. Maybe I'll return to you, uh, um, Rafe, about what do you think is a solution? Um, maybe not to necessarily to the challenge you posed or the challenge you posed.
3: Um, I think there's, I mean, can I go into kind of like what I think are the solutions that are kind of available now? Yeah, that's because good start, because yeah. actually there's a there are there are you know there are huge challenges and barriers, but actually, if one looks at the things that are happening, then it's actually kind of like it, then it's just a question of scale, not just overcoming the yeah. big barrier to start off with. So there are things like I mean, you talked about a kind of the skilling up the community and 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 the the, there is a I think there is the beginning of whether it's architects whether it's contractors whether it's renewable uh heating engineers for instance there is beginning to be a a group of kind of professionals uh whether they're designers or contractors or whatever who, who who do who do this people see see this is 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 happening I know uh you know some of them, and I'm sure there are many many others so that's that's really encouraging and that there is i don't know what it's called, and that there is a system of um uh retrofit coordinators, retrofit contractors, and
1: retrofit assessors the past two or three, five requirements require this yeah something like that yeah. it sounds great, yes, that and but that i mean i'm
3: guessing that that's some national system
1: that, is, yeah. that
3: has been set up and it then has. but that's really exciting because then it's just like okay system set up we just need more of that yeah. and we need to do it to do it more i think i think the the other one is in terms of um, in terms of mortgages there are mortgages available that you get uh, something like a discount of i think it's something like a quarter or a half of percent on your mortgage if you go upper EPC band on your house and that's, that's quite clear. That's and, and that's really exciting there's the ecology building society who's doing that but then there are many others the more mainstream providers that are starting it. to do it oh I don't know what's <laughs> happening in the last few days day but in the but that's the you know that's where the kind of the that's really interesting that yeah. payback that changes the payback I haven't done the calculations of of actually what I mean I think it's for a, for a 300 pound 300,000 pound mortgage you're something like you're saving 23,000 pounds with that increase so your 23,000 pounds is is kind of getting close to a to the insulation works yeah. on a home. It's not your 150, but no, I don't no, no. think 150 is, I think it's more kind of between, <coughs> between, I don't know, people say between 17 and 25, or up to sort of, up to 40 is a kind of standard. So that's, that's really uh, exciting. There are also organisations that are there, kind of more kind of tech organisations. There's one called um, Ecoferb, there's one called Copper that have started offering this service to to sort of like a, a pathway for whatever your home is whatever your situation is they then can then sort of say oh well i think you should do you know they sort of like cr- create a priority list yeah, of that. things so that's that's kind of i think it's i think it's coming
1: there there are i think with with those people like that there also is a not a system a way of uh, an, a european um system called energy Sprung as well which Perfect. The the concept of that is really interesting because what it tries to say is is the upfront costs potentially are paid by a landlord and rather than dropping the bills immediately for the people living there, because they're actually, the, the people, the, the biggest challenge for people that own stock is that they're not even getting the payback because the savings are with yeah. the people that are living there. So then like, you know, social housing landlords, I say that but there is lots of evidence to suggest that when people are in, uh, fuel poverty, uh, then you have rent arrears. So there is there is a financial incentive as well for local authorities and and um, uh, and big sort of house uh, owners I- in that you will get your rent back from uh, particularly now when three quarters of UK will be in fuel poverty by next year. But what the energy sprung system does is the investment is outlaid by the um, landlord and owner. The uh, the bills then go dir- what you would normally pay as a as a sort of tenant in terms of energy for the first x ex- period of years. The bills stay at that sort of frozen level. So you have certainty that they don't go up at a sort of agreed level. And then what that does is that allows that loan to be sort of paid back over time by the initial investment. So of course the savings are are then kept, the bills themselves are obviously maybe a quarter of what they used to be. And the gap between that and what the kind of people and um, staying in those homes of paying, goes to pay that loan until that loan is cleared and then your bills drop even further. So that, that is a kind of tried and tested European model that's actually at scale in Europe as well. It's not sort of in Amsterdam, it's in Netherlands. It's, it's, it's being rolled out at scale, um, which is being trialled in the UK. So that is another uh, system. Hi, I'm Amandeep Singh Kalra, and you've been listening to the season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast. Make sure you like, share and subscribe.
4: Hi, this is Bulldog and Methods, structure engineer at Engineers, and you're listening to season two of the Property Development Book Club podcast.
3: Hello, uh, my name's Rafe Bertram from Enfield Council, and this is the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two.
2: Hi, I'm Ryan Menzies from Chorus Group, and you're listening to the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two.
0: I'm Maribel Manticon, an architect from HTA Design, and this is the Property Development Book podcast, season two.
1: Maribel, solutions. Solutions is important. Yeah. And, you, and you could list them, like, I think we've got some really good working examples that are relatable and immediately um, usable now. Or oh, go blue sky thinking, like.
0: So, um, a few months ago, I went and had a walk around a house that had been retrofitted by Waltham Forest Council. Oh yeah,
1: eco home. Exactly.
0: So it's a normal terraced house and during lockdown um, they decided to actually just invest and retrofit the home. Um, And I I was lucky enough to book a couple of months ahead because it's quite difficult to get in there to have a look around, which shows the amount of interest that the general public has in this. Um, So you can get to half an hour looking around and understanding all the different things that um, that you can do to your home to make it more sustainable. Um, And just the sheer number of people there, I think, the, the way that people are really interested in this, how it has, you know, people do want to do this. I think it's a great, great way to show um, the community what's available. And um, unfortunately, you know, talking to these people as we were wandering around going, oh, wow. Um, are you going to do this? Like, oh, I would love to. I just can't afford to. Yeah. Uh, so unfortunately, all the people do want to do these things and whether uh, all, all the people are becoming more informed, and more educated, I think costs still the barrier there. Um, so trying to um, finish on a high and on a positive note, um, I, I think I need to go back to um, sort of the hope of um, government funding um, and support yes. in one way or another um towards this that hopefully um you know we may see in, in, instead of investing in fracking or anything like that you know that, that, that people see the light <laughs> and, it's yeah.
1: interesting there are pots of money that are being released or actually there was one released just today which is a, a social hub a housing decarbonization fund for about i think wave 2.2 which is 800 million pounds um which sounds like a lot but then when you do the maths and divide it up and this this is for any local authority or housing association in the uk to bid for mm. it will be like i don't know 100 houses um per year for someone and i think you know do, doing the maths in just uh Barking and dagnum the borough i'm in i think it was like we need to if we want to hit some of those commitments we've made uh, as a borough you need to be retrofitting more than ten thousand a year to get close to hitting those targets. If you are if you want to hit these unachievable ambitious targets you've set for which it for which policy is being driven around.
0: Yeah. So so my hope with all of this um goes back to what happened during COVID and during lockdown yeah. and how we did things that nobody would have ever imagined could be done, you know. And the fact that that was done because it was a global emergency. Yeah. And it occurred and we all locked ourselves up in, in our homes that we would never in a million years think we would do. Yeah. Um, this is another emergency, this is a global emergency. You know, We need people to wake up and to realise that we need to change the way we live. Um, so my only hope, um, looking forward, is mm. that that does happen, because we've seen how it's possible to change the way we live and to put and to find money. Yeah. When you need to. You know, change the you way know. you live. Yes, because I think, uh, you know, and, and we saw, we, there was the youth movement that we saw a few years ago that we thought were pushing their way. Um, to make this this real changes within um w- within the world looking at the future and the way we live and you know there's still that hope that we might still see that we need to change things and then find the money to do so.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um slight not not tangent, but slight change of um angle. I think um what I'm interested to, to talk about also is this um this kind of paradigm or situation where we have, with because a lot of a lot of the stock in the UK or a lot of council housing also is in areas of conservation um, or have heritage status in some way, and and I'm just really curious to see the panel's thoughts on um, approaching houses that are either uh, homes or stocks that is listed or in conservation areas where there is really really strict guidance by planning. A lot a lot on the outside, I mean, you have the Eco House as an example. It wasn't in a conservation area, but they, the interventions were all done internally of the primary facade, so they got around that. But where you have, some, and, and some housing associations have listed stock, uh, where there is also implications on what you do on the inside, I'm interested in what takes precedent. Are we at a point in an emergency right now where we have to take some drastic action, or we go, you know, this is really important, let's leave that burning... That's worth spending some
2: fuel on. Um,
1: what do you think, Ryan? I'll come to you for
2: I think it's a. I think it's a difficult one. There's there's obviously value to the community um, to have these these um, older houses um, and and buildings. Yeah. It's a lot of heritage, but at the same time, as you said, there's a, a pressing emergency that that's that's coming quickly. Um, so it's a difficult, t- difficult one to answer. I wouldn't say rip the building down and build it new, because we're obviously talking about retrofitting. Yeah. So I guess it would just be to approach the problem from the inside. Um, obviously there's still complications, but I think the the value of the, the heritage of the buildings is mainly appearance. So if we can do everything in our power to retrofit it on the inside, And I appreciate that might not be the best solution because we want to take a whole building approach to retrofit, Um, otherwise it causes complications. But um, yeah, approaching it from internally first and seeing what we can do. And then on top of that, leaning on um, technology and and breakthrough tech that's coming, things like um, thermal batteries and phase change materials and things like that can really help decarbonize a listed building Um, and even uh, leaning on internet of things and smart building controls and and taking it from that approach Um, yeah anyone else want to jump in on that I think there's some really good thoughts
1: there Go on, you're laughing Rafe. I think you've got a
3: no I will talk too much
1: (laughs) (laughs) go for it anyway go on on, then so you're pulling my hair
3: I think the it's really interesting it's fascinating I I think it's all It's there's a graduation of what there's a gradient of what you can do with different types of uh, different types of kind of um, listing and planning and heritage buildings. I think the the um, the obvious starting point is the is the external uh, you know the external insulation. That's the best way to do it. But as you say, that has massive implications about the way things look. And that sometimes when you can, you can get that pretty accurate uh, when you've got a house that's either been painted or been rendered or, or pebble, pebble dashed, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a kind of a, and there are some conservation areas that do that. So, so that, that, that replicating that external look is easy uh, in those situations, but really, really hard when there's a brick, yeah. uh, brick finish. Yeah. On a conserv- in a conservation area often in conservation areas then you have to go inside and that there are <clears throat> there are different ways of doing that and one of the probably uh, the best way of doing that is to use a breathable internal insulated plaster and that is something that you can apply um, but it also allows the skin to to breathe and it's a, something that we've done on our house to see what it feels like and see how it works, and it works fantastically, and it's brilliant. No mold. It's no mould, <laughs> no nothing in it, and it's wonderful, and it feels great, and the walls feel solid. There are other ways of doing it with plasterboard and insulated plasterboard and things yeah. like that, but there's a kind of a, a kind of moisture issue uh, there, but maybe not uh, terrible. Um, the when you get into the kind of the actual listing, the grade two two star one. It's it's actually, you know, I think grade two you're okay with doing the same sort of thing on the inside. Mm. Grade, you know, two star and one, that's a kind of real specialist area. I think there are probably some things about matching uh, uh, window double glazing to things like that. I mean, I think you you can do it and you can do kind of you know, you, you can get slates that look like slates, but actually are solar panels and things like that. But, it's, but the the listing one is actually very, very few and far between. The conservation area is a big is a big issue. but often in conservation areas that there tends to be a you know it might be the more able to pay community are probably, I don't know if this is true or not, are probably more likely uh to be able to afford it in conservation areas because they kind of mm-hmm. tend to be more gentrified sure. areas with maybe a more more kind of able to pay kind of community there so lots of possibilities i don't think the kind of oh well, there's a he- it's a heritage issue i don't think that should be seen as an excuse for
1: not did you have to, a, did you stay in your house when you applied this? Space <coughs> that you were able to work, live in there whilst you did this.
3: This is I I don't know how you found me out on that, but that's <laughs> a big a big problem. No, we moved out for five months. Yeah, and that's a really that's a really and I'm kind of, I, I, it was a great experience, but I'm kind of ang not angry, but I'm kind of like it's difficult to actually. Uh, recommend yeah, to yeah. everybody. Hey, it's it's cool. Yeah, it's rough, you you yeah. do this. You move out for five months. <laughs> yeah. Well, how am I going to do that? That's really. We had a sort of you know helpful situ- situation, so we could we could do that. But it was a, it's that's a tough ask, which is why I'm interested in the the kind of the the um, the panels that go on the insides of the walls yeah. that are sort of like dry lined, because that actually you can probably do room by room the spraying the insulated oh, yeah. plaster is a sort of whole house thing but if you can do room by room it's like you know it's a bit it's a bit more than replacing carpets but if you're going to replace your carpets you have to clear everything out of that room but you don't have to move out mm. so that's where we're trying to get to maybe there'll be a kind of you know technology that actually the insulated plaster can happen on a room by room more of a DIY basis.
4: That's a good point so I just of jump in there yeah. because um, um, you mentioned a few um, a, a few strategies there, um, and I suspect the average Joe, you know, who's probably not familiar with buildings, will probably just go for the cheapest one. But that's not necessarily the best option, you know, because again, it goes bound. It goes goes back to understanding the building and what is the best solution for that building. So although we're talking about um, heritage buildings, grade two, grade two star, and, and in the conservation area, I think it actually goes more than that. It's actually more about encouraging people to get the right sort of help to advice on the type of building, the type of retro, um, fit that they should go for. Um, and I, I think that's key, I really do. I mean, I'm not plugging, you know, for professionals, but I, really, I, I feel it's really key that People get the right sort of help for that particular building because there's there's a you know many people will sell 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 us yeah, yeah. many things you know and um, it's important that we get the right we get the
2: right um, solution. Do you, do you think there's enough skilled people in the marketplace at the moment to no, to I provide so. that advice?
4: See the thing is is that I, I honestly believe again you know the people who have that uh, um, experience or that knowledge um it's it's up to us to share. share. Okay, and I, I don't think so because I, because you know, construction. We know construction is a low barrier to entry market. As soon as a scheme comes on board, you know, people flood into the, you know, to offer that service. So it's a tricky one, but I, I do feel that um, you know, the, I would like to see government increase the funding, but I also like to see them have some sort of knowledge hub, you know, to
0: apprenticeship
4: Apprenti- exactly yeah. something where people can feel safe that yeah. they can get you know informal guidance and maybe we we talked about solutions before maybe they could be a um, a approved list of you know of professionals that could help with this type of building um, that, that's
1: one of those things that let the green homes grant down as well There was like you've got to use approved yeah. uh, government approved yeah. traders and there was like five you yeah, called yeah. them yeah wait 12 months yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. The skills part wasn't married up with what they were trying to sell, and I yeah. think that ultimately led it to fail. Yeah.
0: On the list of the buildings, I also just wanted to add before yes. we move on um, that I, I do want to make sure that we don't uh, that we don't go along that route, which I think it's a bit of a red herring as well. Mm. I mean, I think there's about nine thousand um, Grade One listed buildings in the country. You know, there's twenty Grade Two star, two hundred and fifty thousand Grade Two buildings. You know. We've got 30 million buildings to sort yeah. out. Yeah. It's you know, a drop in the, in the ocean. ocean. Yeah. You know, we're not going we, to retrofit every other church. You know, yeah. that's not going to happen. Let's just focus on everybody's, the majority. Those 30 homes that need to be done. Yeah, start,
1: easy. With easy start with the easy ones. Start with easy first. wins. Low hanging
4: fruit Yeah.
1: I think so. Well said. And I'm going to just throw one question that is going to ask f- for a short and straight response. Energy prices, we all know, are through the roof, right? And um, Liz Truss has capped the energy prices at £2,500 per household by subsidising wholesale gas prices at an estimated cost of, wait for it, £100 billion. Um, I'm going to ask all of you, starting with Ryan first, do you think that was the right move, <laughs> number one? And if if not, what would you do with £100 billion? Um,
2: no, I don't think that was the right move. To be honest, I won't get into politics or anything either. But I think that money could have been put to better use. Um, one would just be insulating all the buildings and homes. Um, that amount of money could have gone very far, um, and then cut down the energy bills um, as um, as a result of that. You know, and there's there's all sorts of other things that you could have done with that. Um, scaled up renewables, all sorts. So I think um, no. If it was me, I would have I would have put the money somewhere else. Yes or no, and then what would you do with a hundred bill reef? I,
3: I would hate to, as a council employee, I would hate <laughs> to have a political view yeah, no, on those things. It's not politics, it's just. Yeah. Uh... No, but, but okay. If the question <laughs> is about uh, uh, how would you spend a hundred billion pounds for <laughs> no, this no, no, issue, the first
1: one, yes or no?
3: I, I wouldn't spend it on the. F- few fossil fuel companies. Yeah. All right, got that. But I think there's a better way of funding issues that will help people through the cost of living and energy crisis. And a huge scaling up like Maribel said about the, you know, the COVID response mm. by you know, proactively offering ways of reducing heat loss, uh, reducing energy consumption, increasing the free green power from the beautiful sun that we have in this country, or the wonderful wind that we have around this country. And just doing that in a, at a speed and a scale that actually affects people's bills. Would be extraordinary. Yes. And you could do quite a lot in a targeted way for the people that are really struggling for a hundred million
1: billion. Billion. Not million. Billion. A hundred thousand pounds. 100 <laughs> 100, billion
3: pounds. Yeah. But but just work out that. sorry, I'll stop. Three what is three hundred million? Sorry, what is thirty million divided by a hundred billion? Or the other way around. How many, how many
1: homes. And How, many? Money yeah. Yeah, you know <laughs> How much money does each one I, I was one doing get? this calculation. On, bit, no? It wasn't <laughs> actually a whole load. It's not, that, yeah. it's not actually a lot of money. Why don't you do that calculation while I get Maribel's <laughs> yes or no?
0: Good
1: Maribel, yes or no?
0: No, I wouldn't spend um, that huge amount of money on fossil fuels that are just making, you know, the problems that we have worse. And just, you know, of course, I wouldn't. Um insulation and renewables would be my way forward.
2: I think the only the only thing to add to that is just how while I was sitting here thinking, i 'cause I've I've got the same thoughts as you, but um how immediate is is that change? I guess people in, in this uh uh fuel poverty need need change quite quite quickly. No um, backtracking Ryan. Yeah. But I'm not yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah not I'm advocating normal. for that, but it is a consideration. Um but we can't kick the can down the road forever and ever, you know. Exactly. So
1: Bola, yes or no? Is it going to be unanimous or? or I think yeah, I think it's
4: unanimous. Uh, I think look, I think like a lot of the time historically, we're very much trying to solve a long-term solution and problem with a short-term solution. And I think you know, I would like to see more strategy, long-term thinking, and investing the money to get a payback over a period of time. Because mm. as um, like I said, you know, we're kicking the can down the road. And I mean, this two thousand five hundred cap. Is it really a 2,500 cap? Well that's a different story because you know, I don't know, I haven't met anyone who's told me that it's a 2,500 yeah, cap, money, aren't you know, um, so the I, 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 answer is, I think it was uh, a mistake.
1: Got it. I think you've heard an amazing array of, we've heard challenges, we've heard solutions, we've heard our thoughts on heritage and I think between us we've got some great ideas. If, if immediately somebody listening to this Uh, was able to action two or three of these things. I think we go a long way in uh, trying to address some of the scaling challenges that we've got with retrofitting. You've been listening to the Property Development Book Club podcast, season two, sponsored by Mood and Space. Thank you very much for listening.
0: This is the Property Development Book Club podcast. Please be advised that the views expressed are of the individuals and do not represent their employers and should not be taken as advice. Please do your own research and seek advice from an appointed professional.